Daniel chapter 9, beginning in verse 3, says, So I turned my attention to the Lord God to seek him by prayer and petition with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed, Ah, Lord, the great and awe-inspiring God who keeps his gracious covenant with those who love him and keep his commands, we have sinned done wrong, acted wickedly, rebelled, and turned away from your commands and ordinances. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to the kings, leaders, fathers, and all the people of the land. Lord, righteousness belongs to you, but this day public shame belongs to us, the men of Judah, the residents of Jerusalem, and all Israel, those who are near and, and those who are far, in all the countries where you have banished them because of the, of the disloyalty they have shown towards you. Lord, public shame belongs to us, our kings, our leaders, and our fathers, because we have sinned against you. That's a prayer everyone, we could pray this very moment in time today. And that was Daniel thousands of years ago. Why Ash Wednesday? What is it? Uh, why the ashes? How many of you saw someone today with ashes on their forehead? A few. Maybe you, uh, if you've watched television, I saw little snippets today press conferences and so forth, and there was, there was men standing around that had ashes on their forehead. Maybe you didn't recognize her. It was like, what in the world? You didn't take a bath this morning or something. I don't know. You know, uh, we, it is a common practice for Ash Wednesday for Christians to um, put ashes in the form of a cross right here on their forehead. Uh, I've, I've debated very heavily about doing that tonight and for a couple of reasons chose not to tonight. We may do that sometime in the future as a, a kind of like a communion, you know, but a ceremony, but it's, it's where we, you, you take ashes and mix with olive oil and, and you make a cross there on the forehead. And, and the purpose of that is if you read Old Testament, just like what I just read, there's ashes all through the Old <coughs> Testament and it is, it's, it's almost always um, associated with mourning and repentance. Of, uh, 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 when, when people are broken, you see them put on ashes and sackcloth of saying, God, forgive us. We're, we're, mourning, we're in mourning because of this terrible thing we've done. You say, what, what, what terrible thing have we done? Look, we don't have time to count it all. We are a fallen people. We're going to see that here. Uh, how it began in, in just a minute. But there's, there's not a sinless person in this room. Now, we, we might could count them up, and, and, uh, and, and you, you might not be the most sinful person in the room, but understand what sin is, okay? Sin is missing the mark. Either you miss the mark or you don't. There's no degrees in it. Now, there are certain sins, I believe, that, that detest the Lord. And, and, uh, and, but, but here's the deal. You're, there's only two categories of sinners, those who've sinned and those who haven't. And there is nobody in the haven't category. We're all there, 
Okay, so either you're, a, it, it, there is no, well, I'm a worse sinner or a better sinner. Um, all, all people who are sinners are sinners. We all miss the mark. Um, and so we all have grieved God with our sin. And so therefore, that's why we use the ashes. Uh, Protestant churches don't do this a lot. It is becoming more prevalent. Uh, used to in the past hundreds of years ago, and, and we just kind of got away from it. And now, now there's there's some people talking about it, and so I, I like doing this, because, uh, observing Ash Wednesday, because it refocuses us on where we need to be. Um, and, and we recognize who we are and, and why we need to do that. Tonight... <coughs> Now, this is a kickoff for this whole series. Normally, I know we start our series on Sunday morning, uh, but, but, but because Ash Wednesday falls on a Wednesday, obviously, uh, then, then we're going to begin this series. That's a part of the message series, and so we're going to begin it tonight. Now, why do we do it? On, some of you may have seen the video posted yesterday, uh, but... Um, to explain for those who haven't seen it, why, why Ash Wednesday? Why does Lent start on Wednesday? Because Jesus, it, it goes back to Jesus being in the wilderness for 40 days and being tempted uh, for 40 days and going without food. He fasted for 40 days during that time. So Lent is a period of fasting. I know some of you just, I lost you. Doesn't mean you're not going to eat for 40 days, okay? It means you're going to put up, you're going to do away with something. I hope it's up to you, but I hope that you're going to to do away with something in your life for 40 days. And for those 40 days, you will abstain from that thing, whether it's sugar, or, or whether it's television, whether it's social media, maybe food. It, you may do an intermittent fast for the next 40 days, where you allow yourself a three, four-hour period of where you eat, and then you don't eat anything for the rest of that time. You may, uh, you may eat uh, just fruit, nuts, and water, they call the Daniel fast, for the next 40 days. I don't know. That's between you and the Lord. Uh, but <clears throat> what I'm hoping is, and what Lent is d designed to do, is for you to take these 40 days leading up to Easter, leading up to the resurrection, and... Remove something from your life that will cause you to focus on God more. So here's the idea. I'm, I'm giving up, uh, and I'll be honest. Now, I, I almost cheated on this. I said, I'm not going to tell anybody what I'm giving up. I, you know, it ain't nobody's business what I'm giving up. But I'll be honest. I was thinking in the back of my mind, if I tell them, then they're going to be watching to see if I'm doing it. And if I slip up, you know, I, I, and I'll be honest. I was building in myself a, an out. But I'm telling you right now, I'm giving up Diet Coke. Yeah. And look, some of you are going, oh, that's silly. No, no, that's a big deal. <laughs> okay? It's a big, big deal. I'm giving up Diet Coke. I'm, I'm drinking water for the next 40 days. Because every time I think, and it'll be a lot, I wish I had Diet Coke, or I go to the refrigerator to find one, it's going to remind me, you are a sinner in need of a Savior. You need to get on your knees right now. You need to repent. For every sin you've committed since the last time you had a Diet Coke. And you, and, and you need to recognize who God is, what he's done for you, why he did that because of you. And thank him. 
So over the next 40 days, I'm going to be doing a lot of praying. <laughs> and I hope you'll do the same thing. Why Wednesday? Because it's 46 days till Easter. That always falls on a Wednesday. The six days, in addition to the 40, are the six Sundays that will occur between now and Easter. So on those six days, those six Sundays, you get a reprieve. You do away with the fast for that day. You focus on God here. You come here. You worship the Lord. You, we study his word, his scripture, all that kind of stuff. You, uh, you don't fast on, on the Lord's day. So if you add those six days to the 40, it's 46 days, which starts today. So tonight, I hope you'll come to a place where you recognize, I need to refocus on God. I need to restart. I, I, I need to hit the reboot. I need to recognize who God is. That's, um, that's what this message, I hope, will do for you. I'm going to have to preach it quick, I'll be honest, uh, so that we're out of here because my wife is in the back with her children, and uh, I have to go home with her. So, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to do this expediently, uh, hopefully, but... Everything has been done tonight so far to get us in a mindset, and I hope, I hope you're there uh, or, or can get there. Um, listen, death is something we can all count on. We're going to talk a lot about death tonight um, because it's a reality. You, you know, it, it drives me crazy when we have things around us that, that are right in front of us and we just try, try to ignore them and don't pretend that they don't exist like they're going to go away. Or we just, you know, no, it's, look, death, death is a reality. Many of you have heard the saying, there's only two certain things in the world, death and taxes, right? <laughs> well, there's a lot of truth to that. The only thing is, you might can cheat your taxes and get around them. And uh, you might not get caught and you might not go to prison. It's, I wouldn't advise you to, to try that, but, I mean, that's a possibility. I'm sure there have been people that cheated their taxes for years and, and never paid them and, and, and never got caught. Death's not like that. You and I will never cheat death. It's coming unless Jesus comes back. That's the only hope we have. We don't know if that'll be tomorrow before I finish the sermon or 10,000 years from now. But there's, there's come a point Jesus coming back. But in the meantime, we're all going to die. Death is coming to each and every one of us in this room. And, and listen to this. It's coming to everybody you know. Your mama, your daddy, your grandparents, your, you, your, your siblings, your children, your grandchildren. Your, all of them are going to die. I don't understand sometimes why we get so caught off guard by something that is so imminent. It's going to happen. This literally the only thing in the world that is guaranteed to happen, and it's the one thing that catches us off guard the most. So, I, I want to, you know, we, there's been a lot of discoveries in the world in the, since the existence of time, and we've, we, listen, there's an app for that. Whatever it is, you name it, there's an app for that, except for cheating death. Can't do it. All the advances, look. Y'all know I, I, I have four stents in my heart. You may not know that, but I do. I've had two heart attacks. When I had those heart attacks, they took and, and didn't even put me to sleep. They made me groggy. 
I watched on the screen while they took a, 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 uh, a screen and, uh, and a camera uh, and, and ran it in my leg and up through my body and into my heart. And a doctor stood beside me and talked to me as I watched him going around in my heart, inside my heart, and shooting die in there. And then he, and he, he took this little mesh uh, screen and put it in there and then blew it up so it was it, it, it like a culvert underneath your driveway. Allows the water to run through. I'm like, <laughs> think about that. That's amazing. It's absolutely amazing that they can do that. Who first thought of that, by the way? Who's sitting around going, you know, I bet if I put a rod in right there, I could get to his heart, you know, and he can live. Hey, ain't no way. Look, all of, the, all of the medical advances in the world will never, ever overcome death. Why? Glad you asked that. Genesis chapter 3, beginning in verse 1, tells us exactly why death comes. And there is no cheating it. And, and how I know that, that they'll never be able to, to come up with any technology that's going to do away with death. Because God said so. Watch this. Genesis 3, verse 1 says, Now the serpent, which we know is, was the devil, okay? was the most cunning of all the wild animals that, he, that, that the Lord God had made. He said to woman, Did God really say you can't eat from any tree in the garden? Now I want you to keep in mind as we read this. You realize devil has never invented anything. Nothing. He has no power to create. Think about it for a moment. He's never created anything. He's never had anything original. He's like the Georgia coach. No, I'm not sorry. <laughs> sorry, I just had to. I just couldn't help it. Anyway, the devil never created anything. What he does is he takes what God has created and he perverts it. So you see, everything the devil has came from the Lord and was good. The devil doesn't tell you a complete lie. He just takes the truth and he puts enough lie in there that it becomes a lie. He, he just gives you half-truths, which is a whole lie. We know that. So watch here, keeping that in mind, watch here what, what, what Satan does to Eve. He said to the woman, did God really say you can't eat from the tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat from the fruit from, from the trees in the garden, but about the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden, God said you must not eat it or touch it or you will die. Now, keep, remember that statement. That's truth. Verse 4, no, you will not die, the serpent said to the woman. In fact, God knows that when you eat, and your, eat it, your eyes will be opened. That's true. And you will be like God, knowing good and evil. In that aspect, yes. The woman saw that, that the tree was good for food and delightful to look at, and, and, that was, and it was desirable for obtaining wisdom. So she took some of his fruit and she ate it. She also gave some to her husband. Who was with her and, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and they made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife 
uh, heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden. I've always, this has always been one of my the most intriguing passages in all of Scripture. You think about it. They were so close to God, they could hear his footsteps. When was the last time you were so close in your walk with God, you could literally hear the physical footsteps of the holy creator of everything? They were that close to him and they sinned. You are not above it. Notice this. So the Lord God called out to the man and, and, and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Then he asked, Who told you you were naked? Did you eat from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? Now here's, here's, here's man's ultimate reply all the time. Look, the man replied, the woman you gave to me to be with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate. It's y'all's fault, ladies. That's what Adam said from the beginning. The woman, no, listen, he's not blaming the woman. Who's he blaming? God. He's saying, the woman you gave me, if you had not left me alone and not given me this woman, I'd have been fine. This woman you gave me, God. So here, he's flipping it around. Listen, we do the very same thing today. Why is it wrong for me to indulge in this sex that is outside the bonds of marriage when God's given me this, this natural desire to have her? You see, we're blaming God. God said, no, no, that's not what I gave that to you for. You're perverting it. You're doing exactly what Satan does. He takes what God intended for good and he turns it around into something evil. That's what all sin is. Watch. So the Lord God asked the woman, what is this you've done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate it. Uh, not my fault, right? Not my fault. Neither one of them. Both of them blaming somebody else. Man, technically, kind of blaming the woman and God. The woman saying, it's the devil's fault. The devil made me do it. So the Lord God said to the serpent, he's tracking it down. Because you've done this, you're cursed more than any livestock and more than any wild animal. You will move on your belly and eat dust all the days of your life. So why the serpent today slithers around on his belly? I will put hostility between you and the woman. Ladies, what do you hate more than a snake? For the most part. And between your offspring and her offspring, he will strike your head and you will strike his heel. Oh, excuse me. He will strike. And notice the capitalized H. Who's he talking about? Jesus. Jesus will strike your head. He's talking to Satan. Jesus will strike your head. And you will strike his heel. He struck Satan struck his heel on the cross. He killed Jesus. Jesus struck his head when he, when he stood up and walked out of the tomb. He said to the woman, I will intensify your labor pains. You will bear children with painful effort. So it's not your husband's fault, ladies. Okay? God did this because of, of, of your sin. Your desire will be for your husband. Yet he will rule over you. And he said to the man, because you listened to your wife and you ate from the tree about which I commanded you, 
Do not eat from it. The ground is cursed because of you. You will eat from it by means of painful labor. And all the days of your life, it will produce thorns and thistles for you. And you will eat the plants of the field. You will eat bread by the sweat of your brow until you return to the ground. Remember the ashes since you were taken from it. You, for you are dust and you will return to dust. The man named his wife Eve because she was the mother of all living. The Lord God made clothing from skins for the man and his wife, and he clothed them. The Lord God said, since the man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil, he must not reach out, take from the tree of life, eat, and live forever. So the Lord God sent him away from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove the man out, of, out and stationed the cherubim and the flaming whirl, whirling sword east of the Garden of Eden to guard the way to the tree of life. Now, this is why we die. This is it. There is no other secret. I mean, this is it. You see right here. God said, talking apparently to the Holy Spirit and Jesus, he said, because man has eaten from this tree of knowledge of good and evil, apparently there's this other tree that would give him eternal life. And he said, we can't allow him to do that in the state he's in. Sinful state. So we got to kick him out and protect him from living forever on this place. Because see, God knew then, well, he knew before that, that he was going to have to send Jesus to make a way for us. We're going to see that here in just a minute. Um, but at this point in time, we're in a sinful state that uh, has caused uh, death to occur. See, notice verse 19. It says, you will eat bread by the sweat of your brow until you return to the ground. Since you were taken from it, you are dust and you will return to dust. When, when there are church ceremonies uh, or observances of Ash Wednesday and you come forward, if we had done that tonight, I would take my finger and and, and get some of the ashes that was mixed with the oil and, and, and formed a cross on your head and, and say, from dust you came and to dust you shall return. And the purpose of it is, is it's a reminder. Now, I see this on my forehead as, you know, all day. I go wash my hands or go brush my teeth or whatever. You, you look in the mirror and people ask you. And it's an ever-present reminder you know, on my forehead of my mortality that I am dying. So are you. We often accept uh, that we will eat by the sweat of our brow. We don't like to think about the fact that we're going to die at some point, do we? Nobody wants to hear that. Uh, let's not talk about that. Like, that's going to make it go away. <coughs> Look, at some point, we're all going to die. Not keeping God's law has consequences. Listen, youth, children, if you're in this room today, your parents make rules and regulations for you, and they say, you can't do this. Don't touch that. Don't stay up past this. Don't talk to this person. Don't, don't post this stuff on social media. Don't look at this on a computer. Whatever it is, your parents make rules for you. Sometimes your parents 
Don't enforce those rules. Sometimes they give you grace and you don't, you don't have consequences because of your violating them. They should, but sometimes they don't. We don't have perfect parents. I'm not perfect parent. And, and you won't be a perfect parent, by the way, newsflash. Okay? But here's the deal. I promise you this. God has rules too. You say, I can't wait to get out of mom and daddy's house so I can live how I want to. No, no, you'll never live the way you want to. You'll always be under the rule and authority of the living God. And he has rules that set forth to make this world turn an appropriate way. And you can choose to violate them if you want to. But there will be consequences. He has grace and he will forgive you if you truly repent. And I'm not saying when you go into some sin and you say, listen, I just want to indulge in this and God's going to have to forgive me. That is a bald-faced lie and you couldn't be more wrong. He don't have to do nothing. He certainly don't have to forgive your sin when you go into it with the intention of I'm going to violate the law whether he likes it or not. And he will have to forgive me. You can't hold God hostage. He said, no, I'm not. And you know what? The very fact that your heart is turned to sin means you are not repentant. And he will never, ever forgive a sin that you're not repentant for. You must say, I'm sorry. You must feel and know deep in your heart, not that I'm sorry that this is wrong and that I had to violate it because God made some rule that's really hard, but that I'm sorry that I, I violated God and hurt his heart. That is being repentant. That's saying, God, I'm so sorry I broke your heart. Not that I'm sorry that you made some ridiculous rule that I can't follow. It's two completely different attitudes. But here's the other thing. Even when there is repentance, doesn't mean he's going to take away the consequences. You may become an alcoholic and drink. And God may forgive you for that. Does not mean you won't die of liver cancer. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't promise he's going to take away the consequences. He's just going to forgive you and not hold his emotional love from you because of your violation of his law. Doesn't mean he's going to... Look. The same thing. It's just... When you violate his law, you set things in motion. Just like right there, when Eve took that first fruit and took the first bite, it was over. You know, God didn't come back and say, you know what, we're going to rewind. We just rewind everything. Now, Eve, let me explain something to you. I, I, I told Adam, but I, maybe I need to sit you down. Let's talk about this. There's going to be a snake. He's going to come up here and, and listen to me now. Don't believe what he says. Please don't eat of this apple or whatever fruit it was. I mean, God doesn't reverse the thing. When you sin, you set in, in motion consequences that can, will not ever be reversed. Just like Adam and Eve set in motion that day uh, uh, consequences being death to us that will not be reversed. You will die. Eve believed a lie from the devil that was crafted from half-truth. And, and now we, we, must, we must all die. Listen, as we prepare for Lent, ask yourself these questions to see what lies 
of the devil you have believed. Number one, taking notes. I encourage you to take notes. Write these down. Take a picture of the screen. However, you, you need to do it. But I want you to take these and dwell on them. Number one, what matters the most to me? The opinions of others or God? Now, when you answer that question, here's what I want you to do. I, I'm not taking them up. We're not going to put them up on the screen for anybody else to see, okay? Because I want you to be honest. Think about this. Take this. Answer this question truthfully as you can. But here's how you can tell whether you're being truthful or not. Look for the evidence. Look for the evidence. Are you following what makes other people happy? Or, or makes other people think a certain way of you? Or are you following this big old thick book? And everything in it to the best of your ability, no matter what anybody else thinks. I want to ask you to pray for a man. Didn't plan to share this, but uh, I think it'll be okay. You know, it ain't never stopped me before, but I, I think he will be happy for you to pray for him. And some of you may have already know who he is, but his name is Todd Tilgman. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Todd, if you've seen the movie, oh, the movie, the TV show, The Voice, where the contestants compete, um, and there's four chairs, and each chair has a celebrity musician in it, and and if they like you, they'll hit a button and they turn around. You know, they're facing the other way, and they hear the voice, and they, and then they hit the button, they turn around. That means, hey, I want you to be on my team, and then they they divide up teams, and then they compete and uh, to uh, to see who wins. At any rate, most of you know what exactly I'm talking about. On that show this season, the very first contestant was a pastor from Mississippi. He is friends with Taylor, my son-in-law, and his family and their pastor in Mississippi. They know him very well. He got a four-chair turn. Every, with three of them turned just, I mean, all instantaneously. A few more minutes later, the other guy turns. He winds up being on Blake's team. Oh, they're, they're, they're just all kind of people praising him and talking about how great he was on you know Twitter and all this stuff. And he called Taylor's uh, pastor today and said, hey, I want you to pray for me, pray with me. Being attacked. Surprise, surprise. But what's happened is now that there's this national media just all over him, um, there's a young girl who's come forward on Twitter and is causing some backlash. What happened is, rewind um, a little while back, she was on their praise team uh, on the stage and she came out and said that she's gay. He met with her and said, I love you. We love you, but we cannot allow you to be on stage. That's sin. It's open sin. We, we just we can't do that. doesn't mean I don't love you, and I want you to stay in the church and be discipled. She said, okay. Took it very well, apparently, then. And now, you know, hey, he's public uh, all over the world. <laughs> she has a platform and has gotten 
uh, LGBTQ and all those, whatever the letters are, uh, involved. And uh, they're coming after him really hard. Should have prayed for him. This is very, very difficult. When you love somebody and you care for somebody and you do the right thing. And they stick you with it. Look, it's sin. It's, it's, it's in the Bible. Um, what matters most to me is the opinion of God, not others. doesn't mean other opinions don't matter to me. So you get what I'm saying? It's okay to worry about what other people think. I, th- I think you should. I mean, Jesus cared about people. I care about people. I, I'm, but it doesn't. But here's the deal. What do you, whose opinion you care about most? The person's or God's? It better be God's. It better be. Number two. What if I lost it? Would make me no longer want to be alive. What is it that you have? It may be a relationship. It may be a vehicle. I don't know. Maybe a job. It may be uh, wealth, riches. You know, your. It may be your reputation. Uh, I, I don't know. It may be popularity in school or your athletic ability. It, it, it may be a child. Maybe a spouse or a father. I don't know. Let me ask you this. What is it that if you lost that thing or would make you no longer want to be alive? Number three. What is my greatest fear? What is my greatest fear? Number four, what is my deepest desire? Now, if you're honest about those things, you can answer them and then go back and look at your answers. If they're honest, you'll see if you've been listening to the lies of the devil. Because if my greatest fear is dying, I'm listening to the doubt of the devil. If, if, if my greatest fear is that I become bankrupt, then I'm listening to the lie of the devil that money makes me happy. If, I'm, if, if my greatest fear is that I lose that thing that I was talking about up there, then I'm listening to the lie of the devil that that thing is what makes me happy. Um, second thing, we got to move really quickly. Our time here is limited in here and on earth. <laughs> in here, it's limited and it's ticking away. It's gone. It's, I'm, I'm already, you're already over time. I'm going to tell Tanya, I'll just listen too slow. So our time here is limited. Here's a, I want you you got to get this, okay? It's really important. I'm, I'm confused sometimes, like I said, why so many people get caught off guard by, by, by our own mortality. What is mortality? It, it, the, the, the dictionary of Bible themes says that, labels it like this, says, the human state of being subject to death and decay. That's you. You are subject to death and decay, so you have uh, mortality. So you're, you're going to die, okay? 
So, so watch this. There was a king named uh, Hezekiah who was confronted with his mortality but refused to accept it. In Isaiah 38, uh, 1 through 8, uh, uh, read it real quickly. In those days, Hezekiah became terminally ill. The prophet Isaiah, son of Amoz, came and said to him, This is what the Lord said, says, Set your house in order, for you are about to die. You will not recover. Great news, right? Then Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord. He said, Please, Lord, remember how I have walked before you faithfully and wholeheartedly and have, have done what pleases you. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. He cried. So, number one, he responded in prayer first. He said, oh, that's great, right? He also responded in tears. Then the word of the Lord came to Isaiah. Go and tell, tell Hezekiah, this is what the Lord God of your ancestor David says. I have heard your prayer. I've seen your tears. Look, I'm going to add 15 years to your life. Great. Awesome, right? Remember this when you pray for your loved ones to be healed or you pray for yourself to be healed. Watch this. And I will rescue you and this city from the grasp of the king of Assyria. I will defend this city. This is the sign to you from the Lord that he will do what he's promised. I'm going to make the sun's shadow that goes down on the stairway of Ahaz to go back up 10 steps. So then the sun's shadow went back up 10 steps as it had descended. Now what does that mean? I mean, you notice, you notice as the sun sets, uh, there's steps here in this place, and there's a shadow cast on those steps, and, and, it, and it is coming down as the sun goes over the building, as the shadow's coming down. God said, I'm going to back the sun up so that it goes up 10 steps. You ever seen that happen before? No, you ain't. I, I answer that for you. That's God saying, you, you, I'm, here's a sign, you trust me. I'm going to do what I said I was going to do. I'm going to give you 15 more years. But notice what he said. He did not say, I'm going to cure you so that you shall never die. You'll never find that anywhere in Scripture. He said, I'm going to give you 15 more years. But understand, your mortality is true. You're going to die. We have a limited time here on this earth. What does that mean? That means you will not get today back. Think about that. You will never be able to relive today. You'll never get back what you've already spent today. You, you, you can't invest time like you do in the bank and you get more back. You will not. You only have a finite number of days and you'll not get it back. Here's another thing. You will not get back tomorrow. What are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with it? You'll never see it again. What are you going to do with it? Last thing, there's great hope. All this death, all this, you know, all this Doom and gloom, you know, we, we won't get back today. And we're not, you know, tomorrow. So I want to leave you with this. There is great hope. There's phenomenal, outstanding hope. First Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18 says, We do not want to be uninformed, brothers. I want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, concerning those who are asleep, that is dead, so that you will not grieve like the rest who have no hope. Listen, we should die different. If you're a Christian, you should die different. You should mourn those who die before you that are Christians differently. So that you will not grieve like the rest who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again in the same way through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. He's going to raise the dead. We're not going to live here forever. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the archangel's voice, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. 
Then we who are still alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air so that we will always be with the Lord. Always. This is not our home. Eternity is in heaven with Christ. So on one hand, man, we're going to die. We're not going to live here forever. We're not going to live tomorrow's passing. Oh, that's right. But what it means is we're one step closer to sitting at the feet of Jesus and the creator of the heavens and the earth and singing holy, holy, holy for all the rest of our days. Listen, we're trying to hold on to a rotted, decaying society when God's got something much more beautiful for us after death. I'm not saying hurry it up. <laughs> you know, I'm, but here's one to close with. Kristen showed, brought me in her office today and showed me some pictures of a friend of hers on Facebook where her mom is dying. They've known for some time. She has terminal cancer, uh, and she's going to die. And she's, she's chronicling it, her mom's death, and her last days all through this, her Facebook page. And she posts pictures, and her mom has this bucket list, and they are checking it off. And, I mean, they're doing everything her mom wanted to do, and they're experiencing life together. She moved her mom into her house. They share a bathroom and all this stuff. And they, her mom snowed and made snow angels together. She's got this beautiful picture of her and her mom with her hair gone and her bonnet on and her sledding. And her mom's got the biggest smile you'll ever see in your life. She's dying. But you know what? So are you and I. The difference is she's not crawled up in a fetal position saying, woe is me. She's saying, I'm going to live out my last days with my loved ones. And I'm going to do all I can to enjoy it. And then I'm going to be with my King Jesus. That's the way we should die. Given that opportunity, of course. She knows it's coming. We don't all know that. So, that's why I ask you, what are you going to do with them tomorrow? What if tomorrow's your last day? Are you going to live a half-life? Live Listening to a half-life? or a half-truth, a whole lie? Or are you going to live the rest of your life like Jesus is coming more? And here's the thing about that we're all dying. What if, what if Christ comes back next Monday? How many people would you have not told about him? Dad's always said, "Thinks the two most there's going to be there's going to be two surprise people, groups of people, when when Jesus comes back. Those who are in heaven, and those who aren't. I mean, a lot of people go, man, I can't believe so and so's not here. And going to be a lot of people going, hmm, I can't believe so and so's not here. And then I don't know if there's sadness, you know, it says there's going to be no tears, or whatever. But I just can't understand me being able to walk around heaven." And see in your face and knowing I didn't tell you the truth. That I padded the truth to make you feel better so that you wouldn't feel uncomfortable here on this earth. And knowing that now I've got to spend eternity with you in hell. I, I can't imagine that thought. How I just, 
can't wrap my mind around it. I'm, I'm, maybe I'm not a good enough theologian to be able to explain and understand how I can be in heaven and know people who's not there and not be sad. I don't get that. I don't know how that works. So here's my question for you. Number one, what are, you going, are you going to, are you willing to give up something for 40 days for Lent? To focus on God and understanding, coming to a better understanding, your mortality, that you and I are dying, but there's hope. So we must live the life we have between now and that time as fully in the presence of God as we can. And sharing the gospel with everybody we can. We have the hope. Why won't we give it away? Now, I always use this illustration. I'm going to close. How would you feel if, how many of you enjoy getting shots? Raise your hand. You like getting shots? If you do, you're sick, okay? So what if, what if I stood here today and I said, listen, I know you have cancer. No, 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 let me, let me back that up. I know your child, your six-month-old has cancer and she's dying. And I have a shot right here that has the cure but it's going to hurt. So I don't really, I, I can't stand to see your baby cry. I just can't give it to her. I'm just going to hold it. And I don't want to be the one to cause the pain. What would you say to me? Well, listen, that's why I tell you the truth from this place every day, every Sunday, every chance I get. I know it hurts sometimes, but I know it's so much better for you and me, I'm, 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 you know, understand, we're, we're all in the same boat. I say that because who is it at your work, in your neighborhood, in your family that you've been avoiding a conversation with because you don't want to be the one that presses pain on them or you don't want them to get upset with you or whatever. Understand this. They're dying. They're dying. Are they going to die without Jesus because of you? Father God, we love you. We praise your holy name. God, I pray you just uh, speak to every person in this room tonight. Help us understand our mortality. Help us understand you are so much more important than the things we like or the things we want to do or what other people think of us or whatever. You are it. You know, God... The question's ringing in my mind. Leah talking about being in Madagascar, looking around. She's walking on a dusty, hot road miles and miles to church. As others, she pictures driving their cars to church back here, walking to church alone in a foreign land, hot, seeing children on the side of the road begging because they haven't eaten in days and asking, is Jesus really worth it? God, help us understand tonight you're worth it. You're worth all the sacrifice. Any, any struggles we may have, anything that we, we go through, you're worth it. Help us feel it within our bones. Jesus, holy and precious name I pray. Amen. 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 Amen.